0: off last week, so we will be in Luke chapter 16. We only have one announcement today. Uh, Typically on a Sunday evening, that's when our youth gathers at the church, and uh, we are not gathering this evening. So youth this evening is canceled, but next week... to his disciples, there was a certain rich man What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he's worried that he's about to lose his job. But in verse four of this, were a cartoon, a light bulb would. That owed his master, uh, he called them in, and he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he says, A hundred measures of oil. So he says to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he says to another, How much do you owe? He says, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light so this scripture could be actually shared, he referenced the scripture to me in a private conversation we were having one time, and he was talking about how, as Christians, we need to act a certain way in front of people, and as a father, and as a husband. But he said, when it comes to business, sometimes you have to make decisions that help move your business. And he was basically saying, you know, there's two sets of ethics here, one in your regular life, and one in business. Now, I didn't go for that then, and I don't go for it now. Um, I looked at Colossians' 17 says something along the line. shouldn't just be uh, interested in what we're doing for our future here on this earth and preparing for retirement and things like that, but that we're going to extend beyond that after this life into eternity. And so some of the things that we... received you into an everlasting home. So unrighteous mammon here is not talking about how are ways that we can gain money in deceitful ways. That's not what it means. But that the money that we earn here on earth is earthly money. It's currency. If you take a dollar bill, you Further God's... question, our foundation is Jesus Christ. Verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. But then he goes on to say, after that, then there are things we can do in this life. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, Bible, that word day is capitalized. And what that, that is talking about is in 2 Corinthians 5:10, it talks about the judgment seat of Christ. If we're saved by the blood of Jesus. Thank you. is it- that we can give back to God, but we need to realize that it's not even ours to give, it's God's to begin with. Who are we that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. So this whole idea, this whole scripture is talking about rich. Like they're saying the scripture saying if you do have money, here's how you should act. Verse 17 Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in unnecessary riches but in the living God. So we shouldn't be putting our trust in the money that we've earned but we should be trusting in God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works bit about tithing, what it is, why we do it. Before we do that though, I thought this would be a great place to have a Mike Mingy moment. Our pastor Mike does a great job teaching for us. He's an expository teacher, so he goes through the books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And if you get to speak with Mike, he's one of the most knowledgeable people that I've ever met about the scripture. And even as amazing as all that teaching, finds a way to find that perfect moment to insert a corny joke. And so this is my shot. So we're talking about tithes. So there was this pastor that was giving an amazing message on tithing and offering. And then to end the service he thought what we're gonna do is we're gonna pass the plate around and we're gonna give you a chance to to give an offering. And just for something that's fun. back of the pew, not chair, pew, you would take out a blue hymnal and open it up to whatever page they said, and you would sing a hymn. Anybody in here experience that in church? All right, my people. So I always found it, I don't know if it was just my church, or a lot of times they would say, turn to page 92, we're going to sing the song, let's sing verses 1. Sorry for verse 3 Like the author put a lot of effort into Verse 3 or sometimes they would Like they would like be taken over By the Holy Spirit and they say today We're going to sing this song it has six Verses and we're going to sing all of Them usually that Was a song that was a more rare song I didn't know and so it just went on On and on okay anyway That was just my personal experience I don't Know if you guys have experienced that but I just had to make sure everybody knew what a hymn Was so Back to my story, they pass the plate, they bring it up to the front, they're looking through it, um, the pastor gets excited, and he, he like turns to the band, and he's like, wait, stop playing, stop playing. Well, it wasn't a band, it was one lady at the piano. He's like, stop playing, stop playing. It's like, we, we got to stop everything. Someone gave an offering of $1,000, and like there's this gasp in the in the auditorium. He's like, we are so thankful for this offering, we, we got to know. Gave this offering. Everybody's looking around, looking to see who it might be. It's not me, you know. And in the very back of the auditorium, in the back row, is a little old saintly lady. Humbly raises her hand, and so he's like, "Sister, come on up here. Come up here." And so she comes to the front, stands by the pastor. We're so thankful for this offering that was so awesome of you. For fun, we're gonna let you pick. side have a teaching on tithing. The tithe is 10% of a portion of a whole that we give as an offering, your first fruits. If you've ever heard someone, or I've heard someone say before, I tithe, but I, I don't give 10%, I give 5%. Well, that's good that you're giving, but to be technical, it's not a tithe. The definition of a tithe is 10% of the whole, and we want to give the first fruits. That's the idea of the Bible lays fruits is we give the best off the top to the Lord first because if we think if we have the mindset that well let's pay our bills and get through the month and then see what we have left to give God then if you've ever done that you you know what the end result's going to be you're not going to have that 10% to give God and so instead of trusting in the money to get us through our lives we trust in rescue Lot. And so Abram gathers 318 of his trained servants, who were basically warriors, and they went out to rescue Lot. And the scripture tells us that they defeat their enemy and they bring Lot back along with the spoils of war, the goods. And at the end of that, um, the king of Salem, who is also the high priest or priest of the God Most High. pick up in verse 18. It says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out picture here, um, Melchizedek in this story is kind of uh, a Christ figure in this. He's the priest. We know that Jesus Christ is our high priest now and made a way for us to commune with the God. And I find it interesting in the Old Testament. chapter 28. Salem priest of most high god who met abraham returning from the slaughter of kings and blessed him and to whom also abraham gave the tenth part of all so in the torah or in the um, first five books of the bible we see that god gives the God's chosen people were not following the command to tithe them. To let me just say this right now because I'm afraid I'm going to forget to say it later, but the thing about God is he doesn't ask us to tithe because he needs our money, right? He wants us to trust in him. So in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, some of his people were not tithing like they should. And it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So he says, if you refuse the tithe, 10 bring all the ties into my storehouse and we just and we kept opening presents. That's what you do at Christmas. Now something you don't know about the way that we act at home and, and on our farmland is we don't throw everything away in the garbage and have the trash man come and pick it up. If there's anything About burnt offerings. And we were just confused. That's not how it's supposed to work. But anyway, I prayed to God, please. a gentleman that's kind of going a tithe to worship God still, we invest that unrighteous mammon, that money that we receive on this earth, we're able to invest it into things that will further the kingdom of God. So we turn our unrighteous mammon into everlasting purpose. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap." sows bountifully will also reap bountifully so let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver so for God it's it's a it's a heart offering we're showing that we're trusting in him and we're giving 10 percent, but that we do it cheerfully and Pharisees as he often tended to do and he says you hypocrites tithe. So these are just my thoughts. A quick summary. A tithe is a way to show God that you trust him, not the money that you're earning. A tithe is a way to worship God and show your gratitude to him for all the blessings that you receive from him. And then the last thing that I just want to point out quickly is it's a way to support your local church. you shared with us before. those who justify yourselves before men. Basically, you are putting on an act so that you look righteous to those who are seeing you. But God knows your hearts for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. He's talking about taking the gloves off. Like he just said, God knows your heart and it's an abomination to him. Verse 16, in Jesus and proclaimed that he was here on the scene. And since that time... an example of something that the Pharisees were struggling with and they were not really following how God's law interpreted divorce. And that's why Jesus says what he says here. And how we know that is you can look at a parallel scripture in Matthew and see he says more about it. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery and whoever moral principle of the law, the eternal truths contained, and the promises recorded by the prophets all remain in force and are not abrogated by the kingdom message. Abrogated is a fancy word for to do away with the law or to do away with a formal agreement. All right, then the next thing is the Pharisees are going to be frustrated with this and. If it's an actual story. Some people think it's an actual story because every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So the picture we have here is there's a rich man with a big house or a mansion that has a gate, and there's a beggar laying at the gate who's just desiring the So that dogs come up and lick his sores. Isn't Jesus such a good storyteller? Like that that was a detail he didn't have to include, but you get the picture in your mind. Is anybody in here a dog lover? We're dog lovers? Alright, good several. So it doesn't say in the scripture, but we know as dog lovers. Also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. by faith, not by sight. Then verse 8 says the opposite. But we are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. When we are done with this life and no longer in this body, then we will be present with the Lord. Another thing we see from the story is that the rich man instantly found himself in Hades. Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime. also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So we see here not only was he tormented by the flame, but he had regret from his life and he was still aware Said to him. actual tombstone with this inscription on the tombstone Pause stranger as you pass me by as you are now so once was I as I am now so you will be so prepare for death and follow me and someone saw that saying down final thoughts on this message. The word of God lays out how we can join the Lord after this life is over. And in Romans 10, verses 9 through 13, I want to read this. It says, if you confess your with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made says, whoever believes on him will... different things to different